0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hartish, ready to talk all things Green Bay Packers. Joining me as always, the one, the only, the great, Dwayne McFarland. What's up, man?
1: Man, how was vacay, Ian? You, you didn't really vacay. Like, you, you you still kept working. But I know you were at the beach, so like, what, what's the conclusion? Are you sunburned? Are you refreshed? Like Like, what's the outcome?
0: I'm usually, if like... Even because obviously be a Caucasian person, I can never get too burnt or anything, but like I am one of the more pale people you'll meet like period. <laughs> so if like the most pale person's one and like a very tan person is 10, I'm, feel, I'm like, like a two now, Dwayne. So I'm feeling good. We got, we're off the bottom. I got a little bit of red on me. I'm feeling good. I got a flight back out of uh Newark airport in New York this afternoon to get to not really looking forward to that, but then we'll be back in the lovely Ohio football capital of the world, ready to get back into business. But no, it's all good, man. I, I would get to sleep in, wake up podcast with you. And I was, I had a beer open by 1 PM. How am I, I going to complain about that, man? It, give me, it gave me a nice excuse not to work out on vacation. Cause I was like, all right, I did a little work and now I can get obliterated. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. The main thing is, Ian, is like you get to sit by a beach, even if you're working like oh, I didn't work at all. Like you're 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 a better guy. You're a better man than me. Like I didn't work at all that week. Like I responded to a couple of emails, I think. But, you know, here's the way I said I was working is I was just, you know, constantly drafting, you know, teams under the yeah, umbrella, you know, do, doing research. <laughs> I was researching. So. <laughs>
0: As always with our team preview additions, going to be going through the coaching changes, roster turnover. Did I even say we're doing the Packers yet? I'm not sure, but yeah, surprise doing the Packers today. NFC North last week of the team previews. Then we'll get into nitty gritty quarterback, running back wide receiver and tight end. So we'll see if Dwayne can save his Alan Lazard rant until the wide receiver section or not get your money out. You can bet now, everyone. All right. Looking at the offense. Yes, we did happen to lose the offensive coordinator. Nathaniel Hackett is now the offensive coordinator who was the offensive coordinator is now the Broncos head coach, but Matt LaFleur has called players in green Bay and we are expecting him to continue to run the offensive show, of course, alongside Aaron Rodgers. but Dwayne through three years, starting off in 2019, we saw the Packers have the 11th ranked offense and pass play rate and non garbage time situations went down to 23rd in 2020 back up to a middling 16th in 2021 whole time though, Very slow-paced offense. 18-32nd, most recently 31st-ranked offense in terms of situation-neutral pace, courtesy of the fine folks at Football Outsiders. So, man, Dwayne, in 2020, Rodgers, you know, wins the MVP. Adams goes nuts. This was a below-average offense in terms of passing volume. I think we're going to see this team probably be a bottom-10 offense in situation-neutral pass play rate.
1: Yeah, last year what we saw whenever they were trailing by four or more points, 62% drop-back rate the league average 70%. Then whenever you're in a close situation, they actually threw it a little bit more than the league average, 65% you know, drop back rate versus 60% for the NFL average. So that's when you're within three points. And then when leading actually did throw the ball a little bit more than what the league average is, 55% versus 51% for the league average. So they're, they're kind of a mixed bag. It's like they want to, everything's tied together in this offense, right? Everything is meant, it's very much like the Kyle Shanahan style offense, the Sean McVay style of offense. It's actually those two, things kind of put together in a hybrid but everything is based off of making it look the same right are we running are we passing so a lot more under center type work for Aaron Rodgers than what he's seen in the past and whenever you run that kind of offense a lot of times what you're looking for is efficiency right it's not so much about the volume of plays it's like how do we use the element of surprise we're not worried about being in a hurry to set up efficient down the field passing you know with the attack and so I think you're right. I think it's probably going to be bottom ten, bottom twelve as far as the number of plays that get ran, the number of pass plays. But when you have Aaron Rodgers, he can he can, he can make a lot of things look really good. You know, very similar to what we saw, what we've seen with Russell Wilson, right, and years historically as well, where the Seattle Seahawks just didn't want to drop back and throw the ball a lot, but Russ was still able to keep the
0: offense viable just because he's a badass. Badass Ross Wilson, let's ride, Dwayne. Let's ride. Looking at the roster moves, it really just comes down to wide receiver. And you can always catch my team previews over over at pff.com. But didn't even realize as I was going through this that yeah, literally every single guy, skill position player to leave the team, join the team, or get drafted, all wide receivers. So obviously the main event, Devontae Adams, traded to the Raiders in return for first and second round picks in the 2022 NFL Draft. Immediately then signed a five year, 141 million dollar deal. Obviously, you know. Hot take here, Dwayne. Losing maybe the single best wide receiver in the NFL. Not ideal, but we did see some replacements come in. The problem is it's not just Adams that left town. Marquez Valder Scantling also took his talents to Kansas City courtesy of a three-year, $30 million contract. Yeah, they got some outs, but either way, looking at MBS, now really getting paid more like a potential number one or number two as opposed to more of the field-stretching specialist he was in Green Bay. Equinemia St. Brown left and signed with the Bears. We did see also David Moore leave and sign with the Bears, Bears just, you know, really going out on a limb as we'll get to in their episode, just doing everything they can to surround Justin Fields with talented uh, players. God, to love the way Chicago's operating lately. Packers did go ahead and sign Sammy Watkins. Very small contract, though. It's a one-year, $1.8 million deal, but just $350K guaranteed, Dwayne. I was reading, um, excuse, I think it was Paul Denher. I forget the Packers athletic writer. Excuse me if I messed that up, but... In the roster section, like Sammy Watkins, from their opinion, not a lock to even make the week one roster. I think he will, but yeah, truly, 350 k guaranteed. That is not the sort of money where you should be able to look at Watkins and just immediately assume he's even going to be a starter, let alone on the roster. Also a trio of draft picks, most notably North Dakota State wide receiver Christian Watson with the 34th overall pick. You know, a guy I've been a lifelong fan of, Romeo Dobbs out of Nevada in the fourth round and also Nebraska wide receiver Samori Torre uh, in the seventh round. So, Dwayne, not only is Adams gone, we got MVS gone. This is probably, I mean, it's going to be a brand new passing game in terms of the wide receivers we're seeing at play. Bunch of guys with a chance to take over. Out of everyone we just talked about, though, Christian Watson does have the most just investment in him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You get the second round pick. Um, but it's like you said, well, and we'll, we'll break them down here in a minute, but it, it's, it's wide open. Like my guess is it's just going to be pretty spread out across all of them, you know? Um, but I think Aaron Jones is the guy that we'll need to
0: talk about here in just a few minutes. And I, I think he could be a big part of this. Ab, so yeah, similar thing with KC, uh, but once again, we'll save that for the wide receiver section. Let's get a look in at the reigning, defending, undisputed back-to-back MVP, Mr. Aaron Rodgers himself. Of course, we do have former first-round pick Jordan Love still sitting there in the QB2 spot. I mean, look, I, I know Rodgers was quite the uh, public figure, didn't always do himself uh, you know, a ton of favors with going on the McAfee show every week. You know, For someone that was like, quit talking about me, he also found a way to go out in the media and talk a lot. So, uh, you know, just regardless of how you happen to feel about Rogers for one reason or another, my God, like even the biggest hater in the world this which basically look at just the entire city of chicago at this point no one's going to be able to disagree that we are talking about truly one of if not the best quarterbacks to play the game and it's currently in the league right now looking at him specifically under matt lafleur though really again you just could be hard pressed to find a metric that tells you anything otherwise last three years 51 quarterbacks with at least 300 dropbacks first in pff passing grade second in qb rating second in big time throw rate third in turnover worthy play rate drops down a little bit to 14th in yards per attempt eighth in adjusting completion rate I mean Dwayne and we'll get to this here like there was a time specifically 2017 2018 like we were seeing Rodgers look a little bit more mortal and he I said himself which was very well said a lot of times down years for me are career years for most quarterbacks which is true Rodgers has never in his life been anything other than a great quarterback maybe 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 for one year he was above average but I I wouldn't even say that the question is, are we still going to see the same guy in 2022 that we saw in 2020 and 2021? Or do we start seeing it dip back a little bit? Because in terms of fantasy points for game from 2011 to 2017, never finished worse as the QB9. We did see that QB10 and then QB14 finish in 2018 and 2019, though, Dwayne. And looking at it, PFF's fifth-ranked offensive line, that's great. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, love them. PFF's 31st rank receiving corps and I don't think that's an exaggeration or a bad call. This is, I believe objectively, the worst surrounding cast Rodgers has ever had to deal with and we're looking also at him potentially not having the same sort of volume he's used to dealing with. Can Aaron Rodgers, I believe 38 years of age at this moment, overcome all this Dwayne because again, it's not it's not us saying that Rodgers isn't a great quarterback and you know, we're we all know he freaking is but man when it's not only you're losing the weapons but you're also probably looking at more of a run first offense i don't know how he's gonna get more efficient man i think unfortunately this is probably exhibit a of a fantastic real life quarterback who might be more of an average fantasy signal caller
1: yeah i think the lack of you know weapons is, is going to be a problem I, I will say you know Back when we saw you know, Aaron Rodgers really take the step back before, um, you also still had Mike McCarthy refusing to basically change the offense, right? Even, even as they lost weapons or as they were transitioning to new ones. And so in this particular scheme, you know, the nice thing for Rodgers is he's going to be very protected by the fact that they're going to use a lot of play action. They're going to do a lot of these different things with motion. They'll... They'll do things to try to help create advantages for Rodgers to to basically overcome, you know, the lack of receiving weapons. And so I think that's a positive. Um, When you look overall, you know, at Rodgers right now, I've got him in as my QB 13. Um, I've got him um, basically at the top of my tier two quarterbacks. Um, I do have Trey Lance ahead of him, you know, because of the potential differentiation that you can get, you know, as a rusher. Um, if Aaron Rodgers still had Devontae Adams, obviously he would not be, you know, this low, right? He would be in the tier with Burrow, Brady, Russ Wilson, Dak Prescott. But because of the questions we have around the weapons, I think it's just enough that you got to push him down. ADP agrees as well. You know, over on FFPC, he's going off the board as QB14. As of earlier today, underdog going off the board as the QB13. I don't have a ton of exposure to him, so I've, like, over my last... 50 drafts. I've only taken Rodgers a few times. The one thing I do like about him, though, Ian, is when you get him and, and, like, say, say you just miss out at quarterback or you get him as your second quarterback. Like, I've taken Lance, you know, in round eight and then come back in round nine and taken an Iuke. And then in round 10, taking Rodgers and round 11, taking Christian Watson. The thing I like with Rodgers is you do get some cheap stack options, right? Because all the guys that you name besides Lazard, Lazard actually, believe this, like, Lazard goes ahead of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but just looking at the the options that you can get, you, you know, you already mentioned the the challenges potentially with Watkins and will he will he you know be on the roster? When I look at this roster, it's hard for me to think that he won't be like just based <laughs> on the receivers. But you can get you can get uh, Sammy Watkins later. You can get Christian Watson around, you know, basically around after where Aaron Rodgers goes. Tanya's then- going late too. Yeah, Tunyon goes on like round 14 or 15 over on under. That's on DK. It's right around the same on underdog as well. And then whenever you look at uh, Romeo Dobbs, like you can take him with your last pick in a a 20 round draft. So I think there's a lot of ways that you could potentially stack Aaron Rodgers. And if the offense does come through and it's efficient, you know, it didn't cost you anything.
0: And again, it's if Rodgers was in this. Tom Brady-esque offense. They're going to push for the league lead in pass attempts. We probably would put them up in that category, but between the weapons and this potential volume issue, you're just asking a lot for them to overcome. I mean, 2020, Rodgers was the QB6 in fantasy points per game. QB 17 when looking at expected per game production in 2021, he was eighth in fantasy points per game, 10th in expected points. So three straight seasons of career, low rushing marks. Like we're not going to see him exactly turn that around. I mean, there was a time, man, I remember 2015 2016 when they were struggling to even find a running back Rogers was out there leading the team and rushing uh, more weeks than not sometimes. So just not quite getting, you know, I think that overall QB one, uh, Finish in our range of outcomes here anymore. Should still be fine for the real life Packers, which I know is all those fans can and should care about. But yeah, Dwayne I am in lockstep with you. My QB thirteen, taking him behind. I agree with Stafford. I agree with Lance. Take. I'm taking him behind Stafford. I still would take Rogers ahead of Justin Fields and also ahead of Cousins. Car same page there.
1: Yeah, I have. Um, he is. He's right there next to Cousins and Car. Honestly, I end up taking Cousins and Car more but it's, it, they're all in the same tier, but most likely I've already got Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro or Devonte Adams on my roster. <laughs> so it easily swings me to Derek Carr. And then same thing, if you've got Justin Jefferson, you know, already on your roster or an Adam Thielen or, or you just, you know, we love Irv Smith. I like setting up the Irv Smith stack. So I actually gravitate more to the other two players uh, depending on the way my roster is constructed. But if I don't have any of those, I don't have any Raiders, don't have any Vikings, That those are the opportunities I take where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take Rodgers this time, right? I'm not going to take the other two because I don't have any of those stacks set up. And I like, I do like getting exposure. He is the kind of guy that you're just like, well, you know what? No matter what, like he could probably still make some magic happen. So I don't want to get like too overly down on him. Um, but in the same tier that you were just talking about.
0: He will slide sometimes too. I mean, I want to say on oh, yeah. underdog, he's going in the, within the first 105, 110 picks. But I got him last week of like 135 or something bonkers. So yeah, I get it. Complete your stacks. Uh, he isn't a tier with those other guys, but we're still talking about Aaron freaking Rodgers here. Yep. Ladies and mostly gentlemen. Looking at the running back room, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Kylan Hill. Dwayne, I wanted to get to the bottom of this important situation to figure out, you know, is are we going to ride with Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon? I think the answer, my friend, is both. Aaron Jones will catch the passes. AJ Dillon getting maybe more of the groundwork this time around. I'm feeling good about this, and I was pleasantly surprised when I went to look at exactly how often do offenses have multiple top 24 running backs and PPR points per game. And over the past 10 years, man, we've actually seen 18 instances of this happen. So an average of about 1.8 teams per season have been able to have not one, but two highly relevant fantasy running backs over the past two years. The Browns have done it at the 2019 chargers with uh, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. And yeah, so there've been other teams, you know, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman with the Falcons, uh, Giovanni, Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill with the Bengals back in the day, a little bit. That's kind of what we're hoping for here. But Dwayne, I think my epiphany with the situation, looking more into it, what makes Dylan and, Jones so great, I think, at where they're going in fantasy is, this is not like what we talked about with the Browns, where if Chubb or Hunk gets hurt, unfortunately, Durance Johnson is just going to kind of slide in and continue to make this a committee, and we see that a lot around the league. A running back gets hurt, and we're like, okay, here we go. Uh, Triple Hubbard about to step in the CMC role. No, he's not CMC, so they continue to use a committee of sorts with some other guys that maybe aren't even on the team at that point in time. But Dwayne, if either Jones or Dylan go down, the other guy is going to be a top five running back the next week immediately. And with the chance to, you know, be a, as the kids would call it league winning asset as the rest of the season goes on. So for me, Aaron Jones looking like the wide receiver one essentially in green Bay, but AJ <laughs> Dillon, man, isn't that far behind. If you look at their 16 games together last year, the snaps were in favor of Aaron Jones, 59% to 40%. Rush attempts, though. Aaron Jones, 183 to A.J. Dillon's 169. And we actually saw that as the season went on. J stands for January, obviously. As the season went on, we did see Dillon almost, like, start to work ahead of Jones just in terms of the rush attempts. We're not seeing the rank of him ahead of Jones. We know how important the targets are, and Jones has led the target battle 74 to 30. But, man, Dwayne, like, I just think, again, based on the fact that Dillon is – we know like he has some solid standalone value as like an RB three worst case RB four, but like, my God, out of a lot of these running backs going to his range, like he has similar Tony Pollard upside. If the starter goes down.
1: Yeah. And I think Dylan gives you more standalone, right. Than what you get, you know, from Pollard in an offense that we know is going to have to stay dedicated to the run to make everything else work. Um, So I think that's the other aspect of this, right. There's really not, a ton of risk in my opinion, that all of a sudden the Packers are just going to air it out, right? The roster is just not built for it. Now, obviously the quarterback's the number one driver and they have that. And if they need to, they will, but I don't think that's going to be their plan, right? The plan is going to be to stay balanced, to keep both of these backs involved. Um, so yeah, I like both of them. Um, when just looking at Aaron Jones, um, his targets per route in games without Devante Adams, 34%. <laughs> It's yards per route run 2.94 in games without Devontae Adams. It's just absolutely nuts. It's Um, eight. It's
0: like eight games. I mean, it's not the biggest sample size, but it's not nothing.
1: And those are just the games uh, with Lafleur. Like I didn't, I didn't include anything where Lafleur uh, wasn't around. So yeah, it's uh, it is a smaller sample, but eight games is more than what we get typically for splits that get touted, you know. So um, and, and we've just seen it, you know, happen multiple times. So I think the upside for for Aaron Jones obviously does come through the passing game, as you mentioned. He's also an explosive playmaker. So I mean, it's the archetype we're looking for: uh, explosive on the ground, catches passes he, there's a chance he is, I know you were joking partially tongue in cheek, right? Wide receiver one, but there is a chance that Aaron Jones leads the team, you know, in targets. Now that, that would mean, you know, figuring out different ways to get him on the field, because if you're going to split, you know, the snaps, you know, say 55, 45, no matter what you do as Aaron Jones, it's going to be hard to be out there for enough routes, uh, to, to put up a, a Camara type season. But, if they do figure that aspect out, that's really the upside you're looking at, right? He could be more like an Alvin Kamara. You know, he's just really, if you look at his receiving data points, he, he's a notch below Kamara and CMC, um, but sort of like if there are tiers of like the, the absolute top elite guys, and then there's the next group of really good receivers out of the backfield, Aaron Jones is in it. So I expect him to do really well this season. Um, you know, he's a second round pick right now. Um, I've got decent exposure to him love it um you know whenever he slides you know towards the middle or towards the end of that second round like it's just you know it's just an easy 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 click to pick whenever that happens but i have actually got um aaron jones right now sitting at my rb uh nine and then i have Oops, hang on sorry open that that was the yeah so i've got aaron jones at rb9 and then i've got aj dylan as my rb27 his ffpc adp thanks fantasy mojo is 25 also the same over on underdog and aaron jones oh actually i have him just he's at, he's at adp now like aaron jones has moved up a lot over the last month in adp you know he's moved up uh probably almost a, a little over around actually in just the last month Um, As people have started to really latch on to the fact that he could be leading passing down option.
0: I'm with you on Jones RB nine and you put together some nice video clips demonstrating just how different he is, man. I wouldn't put him in the tier below Eckler and those guys. I put him right there in that tier with them based on what we've seen from him as a receiver because dude just the things he can do downfield and outside like you know we talk about how running backs usually have an average target depth like of negative yards because they're just catching Mm -hmm. nothing but screens that is not aaron jones one of only four running backs during this Lafleur era to average at least two yards per out run in the slot or out wide he can really win all over the field and yes i am with you in lockstep as the rb9 and man those games like He really could lead the team in targets, so I went through those eight games, and the one thing I noticed, Dwayne, there's only one instance of a a single player, any Packers receiver, tight end running back, only one instance of a guy having more than eight targets in any of those games without Devontae, so you could really tell uh, that Rodgers was far more content to spread the ball around to everyone, but there were six instances of a player getting at least eight targets in those games. Aaron Jones had four of them, man. MVS have one. Jamal Williams have one. If you want to move it down to seven targets, Lazard have one. MVS had another one. So it's just one of those things, man. Again, based on the sample we have not huge, but I think it makes sense. Like even if Jones doesn't lead the team in targets, I still think he has a chance to get triple digits, which for a running back, man, is all you could ask for and more. I mean, is RB nine too low? I, I think we're, we have them behind the same tier of guys. Like I struggle to put him ahead of Saquon Fournette, cook like Najee and henry and stuff but really what's the difference between eckler and aaron jones like we're more confident that dylan i guess is gonna take away early down stuff but i don't think eckler is gonna breeze too much past 200 carries anyway either
1: yeah i think they could end up being really similar to your point it's almost like uh we don't really talk about arbitrage in the second round (laughs) You know, but it would be, it's, it's an, it's an Austin Eckler arbitrage play. That's really what you're getting. So, I mean, I think it's, it's the perfect example, um, or the perfect comparison to make if things go right, that's really what it could look like. And here's the thing, like we've had Camara have these really big receiving years as well without being out there for 65% of the routes, which isn't probably likely um, for Aaron Jones, right? But he can get to like that 55 mark. He's typically been around 45% of the time they drop back to pass, he's in a route. If they could get that number to just like 55, I actually wrote an article on this if you folks want to go check it out over at PFF a couple of weeks ago, just listing out the top eight players that I think could be in line for more targets this season than last year and kind of laid out the logic. And it's a lot of it based is based on how many routes you run and how often you're targeted per route run. And so I just basically put together a table that gives you the range of outcomes for really what it could look like for Aaron Jones in this new Packers offense minus Devonte Adams. So yeah, I'm with you. Um, A.J. Dillon, the only thing that concerns me with him, and it doesn't really concern me because of where you get him, like his his ADP has actually really stayed in check. Right. For, for how aggressive people are after going after young backs, um, A.J. Dillon, I'm kind of surprised like he hasn't gone you know, higher than where we're seeing him right now. He's the 27th back. Like I said, uh, my 27th back, he is the 25th back off the board over at FFPC and underdog. So he's still, you're still getting him as a high end RB three, which is a way I think that you need to view him. My only concern, you know, with AJ Dillon is he's just not been an explosive player. His his PFF rushing grade was really good though, ninety point one, but only five percent of his carries have gone for ten plus yards or more. Now some of that does tie back to the type of carries he gets, right? When they give him the ball, he's quite often dealing with a situation where everyone on the other team knows that he's about to be getting the ball. Also, if you're getting the ball down inside the five, um, that often means that. And he had sixty five percent of the team's short down and distance, you know, carries. So those are carries with one to two yards left to go, and it's third or fourth down defense has a good idea, right, that you're going to be, you know, running the football. And so in those situations, a lot of times that's coming down inside the five yard line, inside the 10 yard line. So you can't break a super long run, right, if there's not a super long run, you know, available to be broken. So I don't know how much noise is really in that data point, but, um, you know, it kind of matches what I feel like I've seen when I watch him as a player I like. But I'm like, yeah, he's just a volume back. He's kind of a plotter, but, but it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, his ADP is good. He plays for the Packers. They're going to have to run the ball plenty. Um, and to your point earlier, like he gives, he's going to give you spike week upside. He can move into your flex, especially in best ball in the weeks you don't have to pick it. And if for some reason Aaron Jones does go down, it's like you said. He'll be a top six back in the rankings that
0: following week. Dude is a legit like rhinoceros, man, with the ball in his hands. And <laughs> he can catch it. Dude, like, <laughs> That was the whole thing coming out of Boston College. What, eight career receptions or something? A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones each had four games last year with more than 40 receiving yards. How about that? So, yeah, I know Aaron Jones is better, and he's going to be out there. But they don't shy away from throwing the ball to Dillon. Like, there is a chance that Aaron Jones maybe has – 70, 75 targets. And we're seeing Dylan almost push for 50 himself. I do think it'll continue to be heavy in Jones's direction, but man, Dwayne, I just think having that upside there, having the potential to get 200 plus carries, like from the same time, I, I moved up Dylan to RB 22. Why not take Dylan ahead of Elijah Mitchell, Claude Ebersolaire, Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs. When, if you really look hard at those guys. They could also be in multi-back committees. Several of them could be in three-back committees, and several of them have rushing quarterbacks that are going to complicate that thing. None of them were really as confident as, I think, the offensive situation that Dylan's in. I mean, A.J. Dillon could just straight up have the same role as Josh Jacobs or Antonio Gibson from day one, and his upside is so much higher. Like, let's let's bet on A.J. Dillon, man. I want to be ahead of the market on this guy.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I probably do need to tweak it just a little bit. And I think the guys that you gave, like those are really good examples of where he's probably at the end of the day in a similar scenario (laughs) to those guys. Um, Yeah, so it's something I got to look at again. I'm a little, I'm just a little bit behind you with my rank, but that, I mean, the logic, the logic checks out hardest, (laughs) Um, you know, and looking at, you know, Miles Sanders, like he's a guy that I've been thinking about more. um, And I thought, well, man, I'm too low on Miles Sanders. I need to move him up. But again, like you just said, like, when you really look at the Eagles' backfield, like, and we look at the history, right, of the way that that coaching staff likes to handle these backs, do we really think like Sanders is going to be more than like you know one out of three players getting the backfield? At least, at least for the Packers, right? We know it's down to two, and they want to run the ball. And we know the Eagles want to run the ball too. But you're going to have two other backs probably involved with the Eagles, and oh yeah, you're going to have Jalen Hurts involved too. So it's just. I I'm with you. I think AJ Dillon probably does have more outs. And then if one player goes down, you know, you hit big. Whereas with miles Sanders, if one player goes down, I I don't know that we know anything, right? We could just be right back in the same situation the following week. So I think that, I think it's a good point.
0: And also just the same reasons that we're, we want to be higher on Aaron Jones, like Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are the best, most proven skill position players in this offense. And I think with Aaron Jones, that's a given and we all understand that, but really with Dylan, I mean, It's always... You Know this is the time of the year we always talk about these two running back formations and stuff like oh, teams are gonna use this more and they never really do. But my god, if there really was a team that has the players, you know, capable enough of actually making it happen, I do think it could be your 2022 Green Bay Packers. Dwayne, I'm gonna throw it over to you shortly, uh, for the rant everyone's been waiting for about one Al Lazar. But before hey, that, gonna get up and walk away. <laughs> before that, I want to give a quick shout out to a few sponsors, most notably Manscaped. Gentlemen, all men strive for gold in their life, right? Gold medals, gold watches, gold everything. Everything. However, there's a certain type of man who does go the extra mile. He walks with the confidence of an eagle and giggles in the face of danger. He's a big, hairless, winning machine. And when he unzips his pants, he sees platinum. That's right. Manscaped would like to introduce to you their best and biggest ultimate hygiene bundle yet, the Platinum Package 4.0. Manscaped, of course, the leader in below-the-waist grooming. Now trust them with the whole shebang. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. It's time you enjoyed the finer things in life and get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package. Also, want to give a shout-out as we mentioned them several times already, to The fine folks over at Underdog Fantasy, their Best Ball Mania tournament has $10 million in total prize money, and the best part is you just draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. No waivers, no trades, no in-season management. Underdog gives you the best score each week of the season, and the highest score is at the end of the year. When? Now, as we talk about this pod a lot of times, there are different strategies in best ball versus redraft, but if you have your friend's draft coming up here in August and stuff, I really can't recommend enough going on over to underdog fantasy send five bucks in there you guys can afford it and guess what you can actually get a legitimate drafting experience versus going to the not trying to hate on these companies but the espn yahoo mock draft room where let's face it a lot of people go in there they pick twice and they forget they entered the damn thing in the first place a little bit of skin in the game and maybe just maybe you'll win a bunch of money all while becoming a smarter fantasy footballer so adding to the good news underdog will actually double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF and guess what if you play just 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF you get a free PFS subscription so what are you waiting for head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the app store play $10 with code PFF and draft your best ball mania today And final note, I know in certain states, countries, best ball and underdog, unfortunately not legal there. Shame on those countries, but we still have you covered if you're looking for that PFF subscription. Using code FANTASY, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription. That'll get you all the locked article content, fantasy football rankings, projections, that and from the entire 2021 season, upcoming 2022 season. Again, you can support the pod, get yourself a PFF subscription, use promo code FANTASY for 25% off any sub. Alan Lazard, Dwayne. I'll see you in a few.
1: <laughs> yeah, L- Lazard, look, Ian, let's start with it's 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 as you always say, hate the ADP, not the player, right? I mean, Alan Lazard right now, it's it's just getting out of hand. Um, especially over on underdog. He dude, he's he's going pick 86 now. <laughs> like he just keeps climbing. I mean, he's going ahead of Kadarius Toney, uh, going around the same area, you know, as, as Brandon Ayuk. Like, I know it's not that huge of a deal, but Christian Kirk, I mean, these are guys that have actually done something you know now lazard does play with the packers i get it but newsflash everybody alan lazard has been playing with the packers for the last four years and Devontae adams has by far obviously been really all they've had and it's not like if if Allen Lazard was any good, like Aaron Rodgers, just would have said, "No, nah, I'm not throwing to you. I'm only going to throw to Devontae Adams." My, my my biggest beef with Lazard is if he was going to do something with Aaron Rodgers really big, like we would have already seen him do more. I'm not saying he would have been the target share leader, right? Yeah, you have Devontae Adams. So here's here's the way I look at it. You know, Ian, you've got um, Devontae Adams going to the Raiders. What what does everybody say? What's going to happen to to Devontae Adams' target share now with the Raiders?
0: down any if anything, gonna go worse, the same. but yeah,
1: it's going to go down. Why?
0: We got better players there, Dwayne.
1: Cause you have two good players that are going to play there with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, right? So the reverse of that is he was just playing with Alan Lazard, <laughs> with a good quarterback. And so now it's, it's like, it's like, you know, on one side of our ma- mouth, we all acknowledge it, right? Yeah. That, look, it's going to be tougher for Devonte Adams to keep that high target share. It's probably going to come down some, what but why say? do you we have that high target
0: share in the first place? Almost exactly heard. so so
1: it's just it's mainly that, man. But then, you know, I did the breakout study, just going back and really looking at, you know, these receivers that have historically broke out, and you know, what are some of the things that we want to be looking for? Especially, the easiest thing to do is look: is have have you actually produced a, a top three fantasy finish, you know, before? Meaning, you know, at least a wide receiver thirty six. Alan Lazard, obviously, we know he's never done that. We've we've had a wide receiver five season from Alan Lazard in year four, which was last year. Um, he put up one hundred forty three PPR points. Now he didn't play all the games, but it it still it wasn't good right? His best PFF receiving grade that he's put up in his career has been wide receiver six worthy. His best targets per route run put up over his career has been wide receiver six wide receiver, six folks, not a wide receiver, four, not a wide receiver through three, a wide receiver, six worthy. He did have one year in where he put up a 1.74 yards per route run, which would be good enough for a wide receiver three mark. I'm just concerned. Look, it's, it's about the ADP. If, if Alan Lazard was an 11th round pick, I would love it, right? But where you're having to take him right now and what the other things you're having to pass, I know we talked about a couple of the receivers, um, but you're also passing a lot of good backs that go in that range. If you're playing in in best ball, there's a ton of good quarterbacks and everybody's already drafted one by then and you're trying to figure out, you may still be trying to figure out your starter or who your next um, quarterback is going to be on your roster. And they're just players that we know are really good. Whereas I don't think with Lazard, like right now, his price actually matches um you know what his adp is and and again it's just consistently climbed so i don't know if it's going to keep going but but we've seen these sort of players in the past like and ha- half of them have been for the packers how many players have we tried to jam do you guys remember geronimo allison <laughs> you guys remember marquis valdez scantling three years ago like what we about all the real him one up. dwayne
0: what about um oh my god the guy that skied over patrick peterson
1: the the guy that what the skied over peterson yeah Who the game it?
0: versus the cardinals what was his name jeff janice
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been doing this for forever uh, of trying to jam these these Packers receivers up higher. And I know everybody says, well, Lazard's played with him a long time. Aaron Rodgers trusts him. If Aaron Rodgers trusted Alan Lazard, he would have already had a, bigger target, a better targets per route run. And, that, and it's where targets per route run really helps us because we can get rid of any static, right? Okay, Lazard was hurt. He only played half this game. He only really did this. It's just basically, okay, you were on the field, dude. What did you do when you were on the field? And it just... It never did amount more to, you know, what would typically be associated with a wide receiver six in fantasy. So again, it's just the ADP thing. I have zero shares of Alan Lazard mm-hmm. in fifty drafts. I, I do want some, but he's gonna have to it's gonna have to be a draft where he slides like a round or two. Um, and if I did it, I would probably immediately try to hammer Aaron Rodgers, you know, with the next pick if I could, just so I'm like, okay, if I am wrong and I get like this one bullet I get to fire right on Alan Lazard, like it's gonna be on the team where I have uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I, g- I got to give him one positive. You know, I have to give the whole story. Now, this is a very limited sample size—only 103 routes in Lazard's career without Devonte Adams on the field. Okay. Um. So uh, normally the cutoff for these things is 200. So I'll just put it out there. But in that 103 routes, targets per route run, he did get a 20%, which is by far better than anything else I just listed to you. And his yards per route run were at a 2.86. Similarly, MVS only a 13% targets per route run and a 1.47 yards per route run. So we can actually say that in the games without Devonte Adams, Lazard actually did step up more than what MVS did. So that would be the positive that I can throw out there. Again, I just don't want to draft him at ADP.
0: We saw a Saints game. A lot of people holding their hats on that. There's our one game sample of Lazard making some big things happen. I went back through, tried to watch, you know, basically all of his career explosive plays and, Okay, he's good at the catch point. I think the again, this is like the most severe, you know. You're betting on Albert O because he's such he has such great underlying metrics. Like this is like the anti-Albert O. We don't have any <laughs> metrics that tell us that Lazard is gonna work out, other than it's Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, and they're gonna put up points. And it seems like Lazard is gonna be the guy. Not only is Adams gone, MVS is gone too. And what they replace him with, Christian Watson one of the more toolsy players that looks almost more like a replacement for MVS than anything, at least in year one, maybe Dobbs, maybe Samori whatever the seventh rounder guy's name is maybe they can step up, but man, Sammy Watkins, who again, could make the team just by virtue of looking at one of the just weakest wide receiver rooms in the league, but just 350 K it does seem like Lazaro deserves to be projected for about this. And he's going, I looked at our PFF projections, and they actually have him in lockstep, I believe, ranked as the wide receiver 41. Now those are just projections. And I think the one really great point you made there, Dwayne, amongst many, but looking at... It's not so much the tier of wide receivers. I think Lazard is ridiculously misplaced. Now I'm with you. I don't think I've gotten a share of him yet. I'm scooping up. If I am getting a wide receiver around that point, I'm almost always getting Chris Olave at this point. But if we want to talk about Lazard versus Tyler Lockett, the Tyler Boyds, the, Iuk's Chase Claypools, Kenny Galdays, Christian Kirks of the world. It's not egregious, but it's more so the point of the draft. Like, I want Trey Lance over Alan Lazard at that point because I think there's just such a better upcase scenario. And even some of the tight ends, you know, looking at Dallas Goddard or Kareem Hunt, who we've talked up a lot, Tony Pollard. These are all guys that I'm probably going to be taking over Alan Lazard more times than not. But, Dwayne, I could, could get the one thing out of my head that we like to bring up for every player. Could we be looking back and regretting not taking Aaron Rodgers, number one wide receiver in round eight or nine? And I think the answer is yes, we could regret that. I'm not saying we will, but just looking at it, the ADP is bad, but this is still one of the cheapest projected number one wide receivers in all of fantasy. basically on underdog right now, here are, there's only seven teams that have their number one highest ADP wide receiver at wide receiver 36 or lower. Drake London with the Falcons is wide receiver, 36. Michael Thomas, wide receiver, 38. Alan Lazard, wide receiver, 41. Burks is 42. Kirk, 43. uh, Tony's 44. And then we got the Patriots guys down in the 60s. So it is high, Dwayne, but I think we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, number one wide receiver here. Uh, I
1: mean, maybe. I mean, uh, here's the thing we get into where we get into challenges and even I've done this in the past, like, cause you know, I'm huge into projections. I love going in and studying every little detail and like doing, you know, each team and working through them. And one thing that I've noticed, you know, historically, like where I can really make a misstep is when I run into a situation like this, I'm like, well, I got to project somebody to be the number one receiver. The talent profile tells us Alan Lazar is probably not what we normally think of as a wide receiver one. So what you're saying could be true. He could be the wide receiver one on the Packers and he could have a 17% target share yeah. because they just spread it around everyone. In fact, I would say if I had to like put a chip down, like they, you know, somebody came to me, Girl Scout comes with story <laughs> and says, how would you like to bet on the Packers, you know, offense this year? Your house is at risk. There's no way I would project Alan Lazard as oh, I'm going to put it all on Alan Lazard. What I would say would be nobody's going to get to 20%. Nobody's even going to get a 20% target yep. share. You're going to have Lazard at 17%. You're going to have Sammy Watkins at 16%. You're going to have Tanyan or Tanyan at 15%. You're going to have Aaron Jones at 16%. It's just going to be a lot of guys where it's just spread out across them. And so for me, I would much rather take, you know, a Watkins later. I would much rather take, we already talked about Aaron Jones, like we both love him in the second round. I would, I would much rather put, you know, a chip on Tanyan later. I would even rather take Romeo Dobbs in the last round. Now, again, that's in a deep draft, folks. Probably not your home league. That, that, that's, a, that's like a 20-round or an 18-round draft where you would do that with with Dobbs. So, uh, it's just again, it's just the ADP. You know, I, I like a player that I love way more than Lazard, like just give me Tim Patrick, you know, yeah. for the Broncos, right? Yeah. Um, probably going to be a similar offense where it's kind of spread out like what we just talked about, but Tim Patrick actually already has shown that he can do it, And there are enough questions with the Broncos pecking order. We could be surprised and he could be the number one and his talent profile actually suggests he's, he's already really, his underlying profile is that of a wide receiver two. Yet he's only, he's had two wide receiver, four finishes. So that it, it all really does come back to ADP. It's like I, when I get there and I'm looking at Lazar's like, I could just, I can't ever click on him. There's just too many other names there that I want. And to your point, a lot of times it's not even about the other receivers, it's just about the fact that there are other players I want there, period, whether it's quarterback, tight end, whatever.
0: All right. I think we've pretty much covered Lazard. But That's one positive. more note we got to say it. We got to <laughs> say it. The Aaron Rodgers quote he has, Lazard, been our dirty work guy for most of his career here. Now he's getting an opportunity to be a number one receiver. So I'm not worried about him stepping at all. I'm not worried about him at all stepping into that role. I don't know. It's not the exact, it's not like Rogers is straight up saying like, Lazard is our number one receiver it kind of teetered around a little bit
1: there. But but what I will say, I think that is a positive just because we've known Aaron Rodgers so long. Right. And we've been around him. He's also not afraid to just say something bad about a player, <laughs> you know, I mean, or just basically, you know, be super vague and act annoyed at a question. So, I mean, and not that we want to overread into narratives, but I think, you know, That's about as kind as it gets, in my opinion, from Aaron Rodgers. You know, I mean, obviously, he's giving Devontae Adams like glowing, you know, reviews, but that's about as strong as I think we could expect. So that's actually a positive, in my opinion. Um, Again, I just don't think Alan Lazard has the talent profile to unlock to pop the top on a 25% target share, Um, but it is there, it is there for the taking. You know, so it's uh, back to Lloyd Christmas. Ian, uh, you're saying there's a chance.
0: Where do you think Lazard would fall to? Again, he's going about wide receiver 40, wide receiver 41, underdog right now. If the Packers sign one of Julio Jones, Will Fuller, or T.Y. Hilton, he'll fall like three rounds.
1: He's yeah. very fragile. They could sign anyone. They, they, could, they could announce Ian Harditz joins the team tomorrow, <laughs> and he, and and Lazard's target and Lazard's ADP is going to fall. That's the problem with Lazard right now. We're probably at peak season. For, for Lazard's ADP yeah. because typically this is this is where the this type of profile moves up to um seventh eighth round right and it usually starts to cap like we saw it last year with Marquez Callaway right for the Saints you know he kind of got up into this range we've seen in the past Geronimo Allison MVS even from this from this offense get in that round eight eight nine range so I don't think he's going to climb much more. In fact, like Lazard could just be one of these players with no news, you know, as more casual fans start drafting, you know, maybe we, maybe he drops down around. Right. And then if you're in a draft and he drops around past ADP, now it's all of a sudden like, okay, fine. I'll grab a share of Alan Lazard.
0: Rest of wide receiver room. Again, Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, Romeo Dobbs. Don't forget though, Randall Cobb, also Amari Rogers, how even Malik Taylor in the mix as well. Sure seems like Christian Watson because of the draft capital and just because of his skill set. I mean, six foot four with the sort of speed that he has should be out there on the field sooner rather than later. With that said, we have seen, you know, Rogers and the Packers have their issues with the with these rookies quickly though, for those not super familiar with Watson, this is what Mike Renner and our PFF draft crew had to say about him in our 2022 NFL draft guide. Where he wins, flexible athleticism. Most six foot four receivers struggle mightily to drop their hips at the top of routes to create the precision necessary to gain separation in the NFL. That's not the case with Watson, who explodes in his cuts like a man at much smaller. What's his role project X while it's all there physically to be a number one, in the NFL, there are still many aspects of the receiver position where Watson is underdeveloped. He'll be a vertical threat out of the gate with hopefully more in time where he can improve ball skills with a 13.3% career drop rate and 30% career contested catch conversion rate. Watson has left a lot of yards on the field at the collegiate level. The question becomes, is this something that one can even improve once even hope to improve once they get to the NFL? Um, found a tweet from our lovely friend of the show, uh, JJ Zacharyson, AKA late round QB. This was the part, Dwayne, because I was thinking going in, why are we so much higher on Sky Moore than Christian Watson, other than us believing right now that Sky Moore is the better player? In terms of the situation, you would think that they should be far closer. I know they aren't super far apart in ADP right now, but maybe Watson could be this cheaper version of that from JJ. Here are the non-Power 5, non-early declary wide receivers drafted in round two since 2011. Anthony Miller, Zay Jones, Aaron Dobson, Titus Young, Andy Isabella, Dwayne Eskridge, Brian Quick, and now Christian Watson. Uh, That's horrendous. And to be fair, Dwayne, there are a lot. Those
1: are from his school, right? (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Wasn't Eskridge from there too? uh,
0: Uh, I don't think so, wasn't am
1: I thinking of the wrong? I'm thinking of Sky Moore. Eskridge was from, yeah, yeah. Eskridge and Sky Moore. And there's another receiver that was before that. That was, so, Oh, Corey Davis.
0: Yeah. There we go.
1: <laughs> Jeez. Like freaking wide receiver factory.
0: So looking at Christian Watson, man, I have him 57 right now. I just, man, I take Jahan Dotson ahead of him. Tim Patrick ahead of him. Even Juju Smith Schuster. I know he's going like 30 picks ahead uh, for most people's drafts, but I, man, oh, where yeah, do Juju's you Juju's way ahead of Christian Watson?
1: As much as we give him, as much as we bag on Juju, um, it's a quick side note on Juju. You know, when you're drafting as much as I am right now, like I've softened some on Juju because here's the thing I'll say. The, the the profile is deteriorating, but at the same time, at his age, like he has had the two top performances he plays for the Chiefs. So I'm still way under market, like on, you know, my exposure to Juju. I think I have him on three teams out of 50. So, I mean, I'm not even like at a 10%, you know, on Juju. But when he falls past ADP, I'm just grabbing my exposure. And and I'm not he doesn't have to go a whole round later. I'll take it like six spots later. But as far as Watson goes, I'm actually I've got him ranked ahead of Alan Lazard. <laughs> like if I had to pick one player from the Packers offense, I still would put my chip on Watson. I, I know those data points aren't good. But I feel like I've seen Lazard for four years. So I already know what he is. Like, if he was good enough, we've seen Aaron Rodgers spread the ball around before. Like, he's had Jordy Nelson and, you know, Devontae Adams in the past. Plus, you know, we've seen him with Greg Jennings and all these different. I mean, we've seen Rodgers support two and three weapons multiple times in his career. Never did that with Lazard. So for me, if I get to take one receiver from the Packers, even if you told me, like, I didn't even get to pick where the ADP was. Like, I just had to choose one player from the Packers it would be Christian Watson. Um so now the fact that I get him later than Lazard makes it even that much sweeter. Now I will agree that it's a complete it's a boom bust pick, right? It could be a complete waste of pick and you're having to spend it right now on underdog, you're going to take him in round 11 probably, round 10 11, he's one uh, ADP of 116 over there, so I mean r- end of round 12 would be 120. Um, so you're taking him in the 11th 12th round um, so it's it's and there's a lot of other things that you can like in that range so I'm not overexposure but definitely mixing in Christian Watson
0: I just hope he starts man I can't see <laughs> well I hope he starts yeah <laughs> Watkins is becoming like such like a Carlos Hyde type guy he kept Bateman on the bench for too long yes, last yes. year in Kansas City I know me Cole hasn't really worked out but we had to watch Watkins go over there and man like Just how does this even happen with Sammy Watkins, man? Like, how does someone that, let's see, as a 22-year-old in the NFL with Tyrod Taylor as his quarterback, Sammy Watkins goes ahead and goes for a 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns. Again, 22 years old, Tyrod Taylor, nine touchdowns. Eight touchdowns in 34 games with Patrick freaking Mahomes. I know he was number one in Buffalo. That's 34 games, and they paid him more money per year than they were paying Travis freaking Kelsey. Man, I just, oh, man, with Watkins. N- I not thought a we were single. off to the
1: races after that season with Watkins. I was yep. like, oh, man, this is going to be did. good.
0: Man, like, okay, that version of Sammy was fine, but this is its one of those things, man, like him and Juju, I think we're always like, well, we saw it once and a lot of guys we've never seen it. Um, So to that point, they do deserve some benefit of (laughs) the doubt, but my God, man, we watched a new t-shirt. Well, we saw it once. (laughs) (laughs) Which is Juju's like like (laughs) 19 19 Smith Schuster on the back. Uh, Dude, just, oh man. We saw Sammy playing Baltimore. I'm still pissed at him for not catching that beautiful lob from Lamar. Where he just stopped running in the end zone. Like, this dude is so washed. I know he's been hurt. And we have, you can look back at the LaFleur year with the Rams and even, um, you know, his connection, I think it was Rabel or someone on the coaching staff with the Bills that carries over as well. I just, every time I draft, even though I, I have drafted some Sammy Watkins, when he's going in the freaking wide receiver 70 range, it never feels good to win.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I've got Watkins exposure um, just, you know, on my Rodgers teams. Um, I mean, as you get later in the draft and he slips, at least we, you know, to your point, we have seen it even in more recent years, even though he hasn't come through with fantasy finishes. Like we've still seen a wide receiver four where the targets per route run, we've still seen a wide receiver three where the yards per route run. Um, now, this last year, we definitely didn't get that. Um, and with Sammy, I don't know how much of it is he does stay dinged up a lot, but. I don't know how much of it also is just like, how bought in is, is he into all this? I don't know. Like, you know, we can't know. And it's not, I'm not really looking to judge that aspect of, of his game, but that's just kind of the narrative that, you know, seems to follow around Sammy Watkins, that he still probably could have been a really good receiver, but you know, this happens, man. Like sometimes people get into a profession, like he can't help it. Like he's a top end elite athlete, but he may not love football. I mean, and that's nothing against Sammy Watkins. People do this all the time in life, right? You get into something and you may actually be really good at it. And you're like, oh, I I mean, I did it. You know, I was in a role that, you know, was really good. It like fit me. I worked for a great company. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know, I just don't know that I want to do this. Like, wh- I don't want to give all my life to this to this job right now, at least. And so it's just one of those situations where Sammy may be dealing with something similar. But at the end of the day, like all people really care about here is like, will you take him at ADP? Fine. If you're getting him like round 15, 16 of a draft, a lot of home league, Sammy Watkins, not even going to be drafted. Right. Um, but it's de- this is definitely one that this is a huge storyline. That this this is the storyline that we have to follow for you know the Packers training camp is what's happening with the you know wide receiver depth chart. We're assuming we're gonna I'm gonna go ahead and assume Lazard's out there all the time, right? But what does this look like with Sammy Watkins versus uh Christian Watson?
0: It could be a situation where Lazard's like the only full time receiver. Yeah, and here. the
1: rest rotate because you could have Cobb rotating in. You've still got Amari um, Rogers yep. who they took in the fourth round lat was it fourth or fifth round last year. Third. Yeah third was amari a
0: third he was a third wow. man
1: wow yeah so yeah there, there i think there's to your point it, honestly it could be that for the whole receiving core <laughs> it could be all of them like at a okay. max of 80 percent of the routes i, I am going to go ahead and assume that lazard's going to lock down 90 percent of the routes just based on the rest of the room um but yeah this is the big story to watch their camp
0: and yeah I i wanted to end this wide receiver talk with just like okay we're positive we're not sleeping on Cobb or Rogers here, but I, I just think they're probably going to rotate in the slot. And this is an offense that ranks just 21st in dropbacks featuring at least three wide receivers uh, under the LaFleur tutelage kind of. So they're, they're content. I'm not sure if they, they still have a fullback. I think they, and they also use multiple tight ends, plenty of times. So good on that. Again, we're talking at the end of the draft. If you want to throw a little Randall Cobb out there, you know, no one's going to come knocking. I, I hope you I hope that. And I would only do knock. it if you have Rogers.
1: Right. Yeah. If you have Rodgers, fine. Throw a rental comp out there in, in, you know, round 20 or, you know, around 18 over on underdog. Then I think, then I think it's fine.
0: All right. Tight end season. We got Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGura, also on the squad. Tunyon suffered a season-ending ACL tear in that week eight game last year without Devontae Adams against the Chargers. Just one year after Tunyon, he is the only guy to ever do this since targets beca- began being tracked in 1992 with a minimum of 50 targets. He had more touchdowns than incomplete targets in his direction. <laughs> 12 touchdowns, six incomplete targets, Dwayne. Again, no one's had like a plus one or a plus two. He had a plus six, somehow, touchdown downs versus incomplete targets now you watch those he is he's a good he's a good athlete and everything but you do see a trains little bit of george
1: this... kittle ian trains wow. with george kittle
0: wow my bad man that changes my entire uh worldview at this point but you look at him and there's a lot of dalton schultz there i think where it's like oh my god why why is there no one within 15 yards of this guy like catching the pass or he's just you know i i, I don't i'm not gonna come out here and say robert Tunyon's like a top-tier tight end athletically. But you know what? When Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, you don't necessarily need him to be. With that said, man, again, 12 freaking touchdowns in the year 2020. They come back with the same offensive staff, the same roster. What the hell happened? We popped off. We had 52 yards and a touchdown in week two. We had 63 yards and a touchdown in week seven. Robert Tunyon did not even surpass 10 receiving yards in any of those other games, man, before he got hurt. We had something named Dominique Daphne lose like playing legit tight end reps in games and Tunyon could barely even clear the 50% mark. Like this is my concern, Dwayne, with your boy, Albert O, that even when Nathaniel Hackett had a high producing tight end, like Robert Tunyon, he was still playing him alongside a bunch of Jags. And look, I understand Tunyon and I'm sure this will be the case with Albert O as well. will be the leading receiver out of this group, but it just seems like the year that Tunyon had is what we need to bank on, which is insane efficiency the likes of which the world has basically never seen and him making the most out of around 60 targets because no one ind- no ind- individual tight end with the packers has reached even 60 targets in a single season since the floor took over their 23rd in targets overall so I think he's in the group. I have him tight end 14. I think he's with the Irv Smith, Dawson Knox, Tyler Higby, and Gerald Everett's. I haven't gotten a ton of him, though, unless I have Rodgers, because I really want most of those guys, specifically Irv Smith, ahead of Tunyon. More so because I don't trust him to be on the field. It does sound like his ACL recovery is going fine. I'm not expecting him to miss much, if any, time to start the year. So that's good. And, hey, you know, he did it once. We can. He, he did it once. And then we can have like Smith Schuster on one. We can have Tunyon on the other one, like Evan Ingram. uh, Like this could be a million dollar idea, man. But how do you feel with Tunyon in the course of this late round group? I would take him, I think, ahead of uh, David Njoku and some of these other guys.
1: It's a tier. And so if I've got Rodgers, I'm much more likely to take Tanyan. Just like if I've got Justin Herbert, I'm much more likely to take Gerald Everett. Um, You know, the Packers do have a pretty good schedule overall on the season. You know, there's going to be a decent amount of shootouts they're going to be involved with. So by taking Tanyan, if you've taken any of the AFC West, NFC West guys up top, like the same kind of thing we talk about there, um, you know, hey, you're just end up stacking a bunch of guys that are good players on good teams. They're going to have shootouts all season long. Tanyan is kind of similar, not not quite like in the same range as those players. So I do like um you know throwing him on, you know the roster when I can, but I don't I'm not like over the market on exposure or anything. And I think to your point like the big thing for Tanyan it'll come down to can he score the touchdowns. Which which it, it's the same for a lot of these guys. We've had that conversation, you know, this is team 28 that we're on now or 29, 29. that we're on. 29. Look at us. Yeah, 29. And, like, every time we get to the tight end section, not every time because we have some that are elite, but 50% of the time, what are we talking about? We're talking about touchdowns. And we're yeah. talking about how the tier is pretty flat. So I let other things, you know, kind of help me determine when I want to take Tanya versus – or, you know, sometimes just the other guys I like go and I need my second tight end, and I don't, I don't hesitate then. I just take him, you know, um, because, you know, the board basically dictated what was going to happen. But he's it's, it's not a player I'm going out of my way to roster.
0: And that's why I I, I see – some people in our community just really hanging their hat on these late round tight ends. And that's one of the lessons I've learned, Dwayne, because that was me several, you know, even not a little bit last year. I guess we were talking a little too much about Anthony Furkshire and Adam Traubman. And by we, I mean myself. I'm not trying to uh, throw you under that bus. Before that, we had the Chris Herndon year. But yeah, it's like, even though the late round tight end pool looks deep. And I actually do think it's in a better overall state this year than it has been in past years, but recognize that we're playing a game with these touchdowns. So especially if you're like Dwayne and I playing a bunch of best ball tournaments, have exposure to all these guys stack them with the guy. And definitely if you're in a redraft league and you're only drafting one team, like do not be content with Robert Tunyon as your only tight end out there. You should be trying to get, I would say, do you have kind of a line you draw Dwayne? Where like, you definitely want, this guy like it's that yeah, so it's Zach Ertz right but he's here, been gone a little bit higher
1: yeah so Ertz is the line I think for the last true starting tight end if you just want to be like hey I know I've got one and he's he's I have him at tight end nine right now and then after that it just gets kind of messy Um, as much as I love Albert O like I know that there could be potential challenges there you're betting on the talent profile Pat Friermuth we've talked about a lot of mouths to feed um, but a younger player Dawson Knox you know plays in an ascending offense with the Bills a great quarterback but other mouths to feed he hasn't necessarily shown us anything as targets per outrun irv smith like i think those guys deserve to be next but zach Ertz is is the last one in the group so the way i'm handling these um if i draft a kelsey andrews pitts waller then i'm coming back and i'm likely grabbing one out of uh irv smith gerald everett Um, I'll even throw Hunter Henry, Robert Tunyon could go in that group, Tyler Higby, like it's kind of that group, I'll grab one of those, if I don't get, you know, one of the the top tight ends, let's say, like, I get to Zach Ertz, and he's gone, I'm usually drafting three, (laughs) in best ball, guys, this is not redraft, and redraft, I still would just draft one and play the wire, right, I'll take a shot on one, if you decide you're in a deeper league, you want to take a shot on two, great, but most likely in in home leagues and stuff, you're just going to take one and then you'll play the wire if you need to. But over in best ball, so on underdog, DraftKings, all of these, if I don't get one of those, you know, a tight end by Zach Ertz, I'm typically rostering three. Um, But by not having one, you've also left yourself open to spend picks right on other positions. So you've got, you know, an extra pick later um, to look at taking a third tight end. And really my rationale behind it you know, is because what we talked about, basically, you're just, you got random variants going on every week. You know, you just basically need like three bullets in the chamber to have a chance, you know, for one of them to score a touchdown for you. Um, The other thing I look at obviously, and, and you, you heard the names I gave a lot of it, I'm just prioritizing. Well, just give me the divisions that are going to shoot out, you know, and maybe I get lucky because, you know, in the shootout, Oh, Gerald Everett caught a touchdown, hmm. you know, so that, that's the way I'm handling it.
0: Quick recap, Dwayne and I both have Aaron Rogers as a QB 13 and Okay, before you yell at whatever PFF graphic says that Rogers is at QB thirteen, like go draft a bunch of them then, because that's where his ADP is. It's I, I, I haven't seen hardly anyone have him ranked any higher. Like I,
1: the preemptive I, strike from It's for what's going to happen on social. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just get tired of this when it's like. You know, sometimes we're yelling at the straw men, Dwayne, but some of these people that are just barking about the rankings, like, have you just never played in a fantasy football tournament this summer? Probably not because that's why you're yelling about it um, in the first place. But yes, QB 13, which we gave plenty of reasons why. Love Aaron Jones, both of our RB9s. And A.J. Dillon want to be ahead of consensus on both, fully expecting them to really be the 1A and arguably 1B just overall pieces of this offense, trying to get them the ball at wide receiver. Don't hate the player, hate the ADP, and Alan Lazard's ADP is too damn high. Christian Watson going several rounds later seems like the safer bet. And if you have Aaron Rodgers on the squad, don't be afraid to throw some darts later. But, yes, overall moral of the story with this offense, not really expecting any one player to replace Devontae Adams because how could they? And looking again at what the – again, eight-game sample, not small, but not huge, but not exactly small either – If you look at it, you're just seeing Rodgers spreading that ball around more than ever, expecting him to continue that, which, hey, for someone like Robert Tunyon and the late round tight end game, maybe he'll catch the touchdowns. Maybe he won't. It's worthy of a late round dart. Just don't get too carried away. But I think the good moral of the story here, Dwayne, is really for everyone other than Jones and it's starting to get to Dylan, at least to an extent, you don't have to get too carried away with anyone because they're this cheap and an offense still led by Aaron freaking Rodgers yeah
1: so the same way aaron Rodgers is going to spread it around that's all i'm doing in drafts, just spreading it around a little bit on some of those guys in the late rounds um the only other thing i would say you know with watson um it's just he is going to be boom boss so i don't know we'd necessarily call him safer than lazard but he's cheaper from an adp standpoint um but he could still give you a complete zero so um a player that i'm much more likely to take than alan lazard but also fully embracing the fact that like wow this could hit but it they're you know, there's a 70% chance. I just get a complete whiff, you know, out of Christian Watson. But when you're playing best ball, you're playing something like underdog, you're trying to win 2 million bucks. Right. You know, you can't do this with every pick. In fact, I kind of hate it. And I feel like now everything's devolved to, well, when you're right, this is what you get. I'm like, well, we could say this about every player. Like when you're right, like what is like this optimal cement scenario, the, you know, for, for each one of these players, but it, at the end of the day like there is just more upside i believe in watson's game because it's honestly it's just the unknown right he could we we've seen that lazard has not been able to put that big targets per route number you know maybe watson can
0: surprise us with it And again, just where he's going in the drafts. Uh, I don't think Lazard's receiver ranking is that egregious. You can talk yourself into it. But then once you start looking at guys like Trey Lance and kind of like the borderline RB2s, the upper, upper tier RB3s, I just want a lot of those guys ahead of him and guys like Chris Olave, Tim Patrick, who continue to be really undervalued, uh, in my opinion, just wait a couple rounds. It's a true,
1: it's a true test, like Al Lazard and MVS this year, the perfect example of Do you think targets are earned or not? Yeah. If you think targets are earned, you probably shouldn't draft Lazard or MVS unless they slide past 80.
0: Basically, I think it's the same, just like there's the wide receiver two tier. I think there's kind of like a big wide receiver four to wide receiver five tier. So no, I'm not going to pay a premium for Lazard when I feel basically just as good about someone a couple rounds later. Yes. So great stuff there. I think we kept that fairly civil, Dwayne. What do you have uh, on the docket this week at PFF.com? Uh,
1: updating all the tiers, um, all the ranks, you know, it's, it's, it's July Ian. we're turning the page, got to make sure everything's in tip top shape. Cause like moving forward, you know, I'll just be updating them like as we get news, you know, and then we'll just be dropping them back out there. So just getting those all, um, ready to rock. Um, you know, so folks can, uh, you know, continue using them for their best ball drafts for their regular drafts. I'm trying to add notes into all of them about, Hey, here's what I would do with them in best ball. Here's how I handle them in redraft. Um, trying not to make it too wordy though, you know, Ian, so working sure. on that right now Try, trying to trying to make bullet points
0: <laughs> turn, turn the page ready to rock you know, you've been listening to bob Seeger before this dwayne my goodness maybe against the one i don't know a little shout. i still have the team previews rolling up and then we'll be done with those you know i'm happy we did them but it will be kind of nice to be done as well i'll get the rankings and all that stuff updated alongside dwayne here soon enough before we get out of here i have a completely unrelated Stat I thought I'd bring up. I laugh sometimes, Wayne, because you, you know me, I'm a bit of a night owl and so <laughs> I, I crack up sometimes but I open up my laptop and I see whatever the last thing I was looking at uh, the night before. And last night it was Keyshawn Johnson playoff game logs and get this stat line. This is wild. 1998 Divisional Round, Keyshawn Johnson still on the Jets. They're facing the Jaguars. He goes nine catches, 121 receiving yards and a touchdown. Also has 28 yards on two carries and another rushing touchdown. Also recovered a fumble when I believe their quarterback got picked, so he got the ball back. And then, Dwayne, to cap it off, he intercepted the Hail Mary at the end of the game. Receiving touchdown, rushing touchdown, fumble recovery, one interception. Keyshawn Johnson, what a great day to be great
1: Any cool Verdi versus Mark brunell
0: oh nailed it what a game man Keyshaw. yeah that
1: that that was a game that was a big game just throw me the damn ball he said that was so, the title of his book
0: throw him the damn ball like what's that's the thing about diva wide receivers like uh, they want the ball more i I appreciate a player wanting the football that's a good thing you know there's right ways to say it and stuff but they want to go out there and win they want to make plays dwayne can anyone, uh-huh. any one of us judge them for that? No,
1: no, no, we can't. No. And they had who else do Wayne Krabat.
0: Oh, Wayne. No, that, no gloves, was, right?
1: Yeah. That, that was the teammate.
0: What a f- savage man. Imagine having that much confidence in your hands. You don't even wear gloves.
1: Yeah. Back then, like it was a little more normal, but nowadays, like you, it's, it's such a disadvantage because like, basically it's a, if it touches your glove, it's an automatic catch nowadays. Yeah. Like, I Dumb. mean, it's, uh, they're, they're super
0: sticky. Who's the most prominent guy still that doesn't wear gloves, like Dawson Knox? Hmm. But even like, I feel like when you're a blocker, you pr- might want to like kind of feel the jersey. It's a little bit different for that.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think like what wideout actually doesn't wear gloves right now. I know there has to be one, but
0: F- I can't... fade them. Find out who it is. And fade them. <laughs> <laughs> That's our analysis.
1: We're gonna go study the drop rates. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, before uh, we talk about bullshit for the next 15 minutes, wrap this one up. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. And just, you know, small apology for this being out a little bit later, but vacation stuff figured was not too much was going to change. And yeah, out a little bit later, but whatever. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always. For joining. I'm Ian. It's been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.